Welcome to Australian Hunger, I'm your host Ben. First time in a long time, it's been a long time since I actually recorded the interview that we'll be featuring today. Um, it just took a long time to get back into it, I became discouraged because of a couple of interviews falling through and it just um, took a while to figure out how to, I don't know, get the motivation back, get the drive back to continue working on this podcast, which I, you know, which is just basically something I want to do. And it's just sometimes it's a weird matter of fact way of trying to find something, uh, find a way to do the things you want to do if that makes any sense i'm sure if any of you guys are creative or something like that you'll, you'll probably understand that dynamic um really excited about the interview today it's with elsist niche the, their front man their pioneer behind the band um always been a huge fan of their music and um, one of my favorite bands of all time really and yeah, it was just really, really great to talk to him, get a little bit of a view behind his creative processes and also get confirmation that they're hopefully going to be coming back to Australia, um, which is good. Um, I enjoyed them thoroughly last time I saw them, so really excited for that. And um, if any of you guys are fans of Elsest, you'll also be excited to hear that news as well, hopefully when it's announced sometime next year. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. Um, but without further ado, here is the interview. Let's talk a little bit about the album. Um, how, how did you approach this one? Like, you, you obviously, you, got, you know, as a band, you keep writing music. How, how did you approach it? How did you like? I don't know, figure out what what this album's going to sound like. Yeah. So you know, uh, in the very early stages of the writing, you know, when you decide to start work, working on a new album, you don't really know what's going to happen. I mean, at least that's how it is for me. You know, I don't. Uh, in these early stages, I don't plan already uh, which type of album I want to make. So, especially for this one, you know, uh, I've been through like uh, some darker times, you know, over the last couple of years. So I felt that I really needed to do something, uh, something very genuine and connected to to these emotions, you know. So not not overthink too much and just let things uh happen the way they happen so yeah in the beginning you know i was just taking my guitar and uh writing uh you know with the flow and yeah it it happened to be something darker than usual and a bit more angry you know like uh a bit heavier and yeah it's uh i think this is one of the one of the most uh i don't know um i would say dark but it's not completely dark you know access music isn't uh really really dark but yeah for for being us it's quite uh it's quite an anxious and heavy record yeah mm, but no those are some good words i've sort of been listening to it and trying to figure out like what, what's the sound of it what's the best way to describe the sound of it but like just in terms of the way you approach i don't know 
writing music on a on a day to day basis when you you've got the time for it and you you've, you've set mm-hmm. out to do it like, how, how do you how do you do that like on a very sort of basic level yeah so it's always a bit the same you know i am i need to be alone uh, of course and uh, i need to be in my uh, apartment in paris so i am quite bad uh, for writing on the road you know it's like i know some bands write when they are on tour but for me it's very difficult i'm i'm very bad at multitasking you know so either i'm touring or writing but i can't i can't do both at the same time so yeah i need to be alone you know in in my place like i have this tiny tiny guitar amp uh, and just like a couple guitar pedals and i just play around you know i just uh, play guitar and and try to find riffs, you know, and and it's it's always a very very strange thing, you know, when you write a riff. Uh, I don't have I- any single memory of me uh, finding a new riff, you know. Like some people ask me, oh, where where were you when when you wrote this song and everything? I have uh, it's impossible for me to uh, remember. So it's it's almost like you you know you get into your zone and you forget about everything else and. Uh, and it's, it's difficult to to see what's what's happening, you know, when you put out a melody or or like a riff. Uh, it's a very mysterious uh, process, but uh, it's it's fascinating because it's a way to express yourself that is very very honest, you know, and very connected to your subconscious emotions, you know, and uh, and to your to your real essence, because. Uh, at least for me, you know, when I write music, I don't compromise. Uh, I don't try to do things to please anyone or to to think about, you know, like uh, the the fans. Or I mean, even if I really love our fans, but w- when I write music, I just uh, the goal is really to be connected to something very, very pure, you know. Mm-hmm. You have the fortunate position of um, writing music for yourself that actually other people enjoy, <laughs> regardless. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's nice, you know, because I mean, I I could be writing something for myself and nobody like it, you know. So so I'm being lucky, I guess. Mm. So after you've sort of written the music, you've got you've sort of gotten it to a place where you're like, yeah, I'm comfortable with this. What other preparations do you make before heading into the studio? Yeah, so so you know, uh, I'm really I'm really listening to my to my gut feeling, you know. So that's how I know that the song is uh, complete. Uh, it's only my my guts uh, which tell me, you know, this song is finished. You can let it rest, you know, and it's fine. Because sometimes you know you you find a song and you have like you have the feeling that it's finished, but actually you have this tiny little voice, you know, in your mind saying, yeah, this one needs more work, you know. So, so yeah, that's that's how I know, you know. And when it's when it's finished, I really feel this this uh, relief. And uh, and then uh, yeah, we have this very basic uh, pre-production uh, demos. Uh, I'm quite bad at making good uh, demos. That's something I I want to improve for the future. And uh, yeah, this time uh, we were lacking a bit of time, you know, in the in the pre-production for the album. So we went to the studio a little bit too rushed you know uh some things were not completely set in stone and we don't like to improvise you know we are really not the type of like jamming band we don't jam you know it's everything is written so so yeah there were some uh 
blurred uh, zones in the in the sound and in the things we wanted to achieve. So yeah, it it made our life more difficult in in the in the studio. So yeah, next time we want to we want to get better at this. Mm-hmm. Now, one part of the album that stuck out to me is something interesting. I don't know if it's something you've done before. I don't recall. Um, at the beginning of the second song, I won't insult you with my poor pronunciation, um, <laughs> there's sort of an electronic bass part before the rest of the instruments come in. What was the, yeah. what was the thought behind that? Where did that come from? Yeah, so it's, you know, uh, we have this very... Uh very traditional uh, formula, you know, like guitar, bass, vocals, drums. But uh, uh, I personally like uh, tasteful uh, arrangements. So I like to enrich the, the sound with like different elements, you know, like electronic stuff or or uh, ambiences, you know, like. Uh, so, yeah, this is like uh, this is like a double kick uh, rhythm, like but uh, filtered with like distortions and things like this, so processed, uh, processed into like effects and stuff. So yeah, it's it almost sounds like some kind of electronic beat, you know. Mm, mm, mm. Um, in terms of the artwork, I think a lot of your previous artworks have been. Um, I don't know if colorful's the right way to describe it, but they've yeah. been very sort of. Bold, you know, the um, souvenirs is green. Um, second yeah. one was blue. Kadama was you know, this sort of maroon purple. This one, yeah, black and white, a little bit distinct from those other ones. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, you know, it's uh, yeah, that's that's a good point. Uh, usually, you know, I get really inspired by like seasons or like colors or like uh, I really have like this 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 kind of landscapes in mind, you know, when I write music. But this one is. Is a strictly introspective record, so it's it was like a journey inside me, you know, if I can say. Uh, uh, it's, it's yeah, it's it's an it's an album that is very much connected to my to my emotions, you know. It's very uh, introvert, and uh, yeah, that's why you know it doesn't uh, necessarily refer to any season or any landscape, or it's really like an inner journey, you know, and and that's why it's like almost like black and white. It's actually very, very dark blue, but it almost looks like black, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, going back to the sort of writing process, when you're... Actually, back up even more than that. What, at what point do the vocals come in? What point do you start sort of adding how you're going to sing on the record? And how do you feel out where you're going to sing, where you're going to scream, how, how you put those two sort yeah. of elements in the, in the music? Yeah, so uh, I always start with with guitars, you know, and uh, as soon as I have a couple of riffs, uh, I can see where I, I can put like vocals and stuff. So I am like mumbling over the guitar, you know. I, I play guitar and I'm trying to find vocal lines and stuff, uh, but it's just like improvised uh, sounds and you know, like uh, words uh, and. Um, if if there is a part where I feel that it really needs some extra extra intensity, I think about using uh, scream vocals. But uh, it's only if the part needs it. You know, I wouldn't put screaming vocals just for the sake of uh, using them. You know, uh, so yeah, it's it happens when the song needs it. And uh, for the lyrics, it always comes super super late in the process because. 
I hate to write lyrics. Uh, it's really not my my favorite part, you know. So I'm always pushing it like the latest, you know. <laughs> mm. And so with the lyrics, are you trying to sort of fit them to those kind of previous sounds that you had kind of um, exactly, of put, yeah. Or? Yeah, exactly. And you know, I'm I'm writing in French, so sometimes it's really not easy to because it's quite a harsh language uh, to use for uh, music. So it's not always easy to find the right words, and uh, that's why sometimes I mean, you maybe you know about this, but uh, sometimes I'm actually not using any lyrics. You know, I just keep this uh, pre-production improvised uh, vocals. You know. So, for example, on the song uh, on the song Sapphire, the third song, uh, there are no lyrics, but there are vocals during the whole song. You know. Well, one thing about um, obviously being bilingual, being international, um, is you know you have the opportunity or the impetus to use both French and English on different tracks or album names. What do you what what makes you choose one or the other? Uh, I actually never sing in English. Uh, it's just uh, some titles. Sometimes they they sound like shit in French, you know. So I so I use English for, just for the titles. So, but it's either French or uh, no lyrics. But I never sing in English. So, uh, yeah, it's just you know I started to write in French uh, twenty years ago when I started the band because I I wasn't speaking English at all, you know, and. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I just kept the the habit, you know, and it's it's my mother language, so you know. Mm, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Um, I have to ask you the obligatory question: um, Is there any plans to tour Australia again? Of course, of course. Uh, we we did two tours in Australia uh, over the the years, and uh, yeah, we really want to come back because it's 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 a a fantastic uh, audience for us. Uh, we really love to play Australia, and uh, and yeah, uh, it, hopefully it will happen next year. So I'm crossing my fingers that we can be back in Australia quite soon. And uh, yeah, it's 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 going to be awesome. Excellent, excellent. And one final question: My friends would kill me if I didn't ask you this. Um, in terms <laughs> of um, pedals, is there anything oh, yeah. you've added to the lineup? How, do, how how is your pedal situation looking at the moment? Yeah, so I'm going to be very disappointing uh, <laughs> for in, in this. I am not a pedal guy that much, you know. Uh, um, uh, I just have three pedals. I have a delay, a reverb, and a, and a distortion, and that's it, you know. Uh, I I build my own sound with melodies. I am not a I'm not a pedal guy that much. I mean, the pedals I have, I really take a lot of time to, to choose them but in terms of uh, the amount of pedals I have a very limited amount of pedals uh, as I told you it's very basic just reverb delay and, and distortion and um, <laughs> so yeah most of the time I'm just running the pedals through like a clean amp uh, so I'm, I'm not using the distortion of the the amp but like a distortion pedal and the last years I've been using two different types of distortions so the full tone OCD that is on the records, and live these days I'm using uh, Friedman BOD. So these are my two main sounds, you know. And for the reverb, I'm using a, a TC Electronics Hall of Fame. 
Thanks again to Nige for chatting with me. You kind of get this impression from him based on his music, based on his live shows, his kind of presence on stage, that he's like a super nice guy and chatting to him, like he's such a super nice guy and I really appreciate him taking the time to chat to me. Before I leave, I want to give a recommendation. This one's also a little bit older than perhaps it should be, um, but it was going to happen because it's Cattle Decapitation's new album, Death Atlas. When you're following up on a well-received album like the Anthropocene Extinction Wars, there's two things you can do to make a worthy follow-up. One is do something insane, crazy, out-of-the-box, unexpected. And that may work. It may go on to be an incredibly well-loved album, despite its kind of... It may be jarring, it may be avant-garde, but like it could be like, wow. Or maybe it's just a completely right turn for you. And uh, those albums can sort of be very divisive, but in kind of more critical circles can be very well regarded. That's hard to do, and you've got to kind of have a transcendent source of inspiration for those kind of things usually. Or you can do the usually more achievable thing and preserve what you've already done, preserve you know the basis of your previous albums, but then build something further, expand your horizons, push things in a way that you didn't push them before, or, or I don't know, sharpen them in a way. Do do something a little bit more than you had done before. And I think that's what Candle Decapitation does here. Um, it, the album sounds a little bit weirder, particularly some of the choruses. It's not quite as um, I guess chorusy as in some of the previous albums. In in like Anthropocene Extinction, the choruses are, <laughs> it's hard because they're not mainstream. I think that's usually how we define. You know, the, the singability of, of music a lot is like how they kind of conform to mainstream expectations, but the choruses are so singable, so memorable, and I don't think they are as much in this one, but I think that kind of the way in which it's not quite as comfortable, I think that's something interesting. It may mean that Anthropocene Extinction will still remain your favourite album, my favourite album, but I think it means that it is something good. It's something you see them trying to develop, try and... And explore. I, I think that makes a really interesting album to you know f- follow up. Well, one one of my all time favorites. One of just an incredible album. Um, so that's Death Atlas. Um, I really encourage you to check it out. And if you haven't listened to Candle Decapitation before, um, some of the early music may not be as comfortable with people not who don't like gore grind, uh, death grind, death metal, grindcore, whatever you want to call it. Um, but starting with the Harvest Floor. They've got an incredible run of albums, which you can really see um, a development over those few albums. And even if you don't like the music at all, I think that just that developmental aspect is incredible to see. You can catch the show on social media, Oz Hunger, that's AUS Hunger on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, if you've got any questions, comments, if you're in a band and you present you want to set up an interview, you can send me an email, australianhunger at gmail.com. Um, But until the next episode, and it may come after Christmas, we'll see how we go, um, I'll catch you.